Welcome to Way Family Church. This is our sermon podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you seek God through His Word. We invite you to join us in person every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We would love to meet you. Or you can also visit us online at wayfamily.church. Good morning, Way Family Church. Good morning. It's good to see you guys today. I'm glad that you that we were able to get together and praise the name of our Lord, amen, to worship Him and to glorify. I love what Sandy said just a minute ago. She, we, we, there's literally nothing we can give our God except for our praise and worship because He's the creator of all things. He owns everything and everything that we have comes from Him. So all we can give to Him is our thanksgiving, our praise and our worship, amen. amen. Today we will continue on in our sermon series in the Psalms. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Again, the Psalms are songs and poems filled with instructions from the Lord. When we cannot find the words in the depths of our hearts, we can find something in the book of Psalms that would help us express that. Not just that, it can also help us redirect our hearts. Because sometimes our hearts need redirecting. Or sometimes our hearts are overflowing with praise, with honor, with worship, and we just don't have the words. And so I think that this beautiful gift that we have in the pages within the Psalms are just so wonderful in the sense that, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to express here. And so the Psalms are a gift of God for us. <clears throat> now, within the pages of the Psalms, we find different genres as we kind of described them last week. There's a Psalm for every occasion. There's Psalms of wisdom. There's Psalms of laments. There's hymns of praise. There's songs or songs of thanksgiving, encouragement, and there's also messianic psalms, psalms that point to Jesus. It's great. That covers everything, right? And within those are even subcategories that you will find more and more and more. Oh, the depths and the riches of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. So the psalms are a beautiful gift from God. And today I'd like to spend some time looking into a psalm of praise. Last week, we started with Psalm 1, looked into a psalm of wisdom, the gateway to everything else, right? And today, I want to focus on a psalm of praise. What is praise? Praise is an expression of honor and gratitude. It is to display the excellence of whatever it is that you're honoring or that is being honored. Praise can be expressed in a variety of ways, can it not? It can be expressed through applause, right? We've seen that. It could be expressed through cheering, hooting and hollering. Woo! <clears throat> Praise can be ex expressed through gifts, gift giving. It could be expressed through words. It could be expressed through songs, poems, just to name a few. And there's so many other creative ways to express praise for something or someone, right? Now, one way <clears throat> that I think uh, praise can be expressed is through a name, through a given name, a nickname, perhaps. For example, <clears throat> when I was uh, playing high school football, because we don't talk about my college football experience, okay? But when I was playing high school football, <clears throat> I had a couple of nicknames that actually were quite honoring to me. Initially, I didn't know where they came from, so I had to inquire and find out, why do you call me these things? One of my nicknames was the Terminator. <clears throat> In fact, I was so called the Terminator that my little brother earned the nickname T2. <laughs> And so the question was, why do you call me the Terminator? Well, because I hit really hard. This was before, you know, we were careful about our tackling. And so we would just drive into each other when we played football. 
And so there was one time where I hit someone so hard that their mother came down from the bleachers and yelled at me. She came onto the field and she just started scolding me for hitting her son so hard. And so that's how I earned my name, the Terminator, which was quite, quite honoring for me. I actually really enjoyed that when they called me that. The other, thing, the other thing that I was called was the refrigerator. And that one I didn't understand for a minute until some kid asked, why do you call him the refrigerator? And so I wanted to know too, yeah, why do you call me the refrigerator? And the guy who started calling me the refrigerator said, because you keep things cool and you're hard to move. I like that. That's really honoring. And so I was known by these couple of names. A name. A name can be a, 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 an expression of honor or praise, right? And these are just silly examples, but a names do mean something. Like, for example, I have nicknames for my wife as well that describe my feelings for her how I think of her. One of them, I'm just going to share one of them with you, is Clementine. Because she's my darling. So sometimes I'll call her Clementine. Not because she's gone and lost forever, just because she's my darling. And you might have nicknames for each other as well, right? You might have a nickname even uh, for your parents. Like, like Babe Ruth had a nickname, the Great Bambino, right? There's other great Let's say athletes or people who have nicknames because of their accomplishments, because of what they've done. For example, Michael Jackson was called what? The king of pop. Just different nicknames to honor the person and their achievements. And you, I'm sure that you can think of many more examples. But in the, the name can come so much praise or also the opposite. <clears throat> now, if I ask you, if you had to praise God with just a name, what name would you say? It's interactive church right now. What name would you use to describe God? King. What else? I heard something back there. Peace. So God the King. God of peace. Creator. Creator. Exactly. What else? Father. Yeah. The Prince of Peace. Love. God is love. You see, we can... Praise God by just calling him what he is or the way that he has impacted us or just by knowing the truths of him like creator, right? There's a lot in a name. And so what I want to show with, uh, share with you today is that David also in Psalm 8, which is the psalm that we're going to look into, uses a name to describe God. And that's majestic. He says, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name above all the earth. In this psalm, David pours out his praise unto God. The majestic God. And the thing about it, and I think I love, I love this because of the description that comes thereafter. So David starts with, how majestic is your name, O Lord my God. But then he goes and he explains why. And it's so good for us to take time and to think about why do we call God majestic? Why do we call him father? Why do we call him creator? Why do we call him good? Why do we call him love? What is it about him that is so deserving of that name? Because when we think about who God is and when we dwell in the reality of who he is, his character, his person, we begin to just genuinely start praising him and worshiping him because he is great and honor, honorable and <clears throat> worthy of all praise. And so this Psalm 8 is, a, um, again, a declaration of praise. I want to read it together. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Psalm chapter 8. If not, follow along with me on the screen. And it says this. O oh Lord, O oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. 
Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the seas, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, O our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful expression of praise or just to instruct us to, that we would, would see your majesty and how amazing you are, Father. And Lord, we ask that you would stir our hearts towards you, that we would see you, that we would get another glimpse of you today, Lord Jesus, that our hearts would be stirred and moved to praise you, understanding who you are, Father. And so, Lord, we ask that you would receive our praise, Jesus, for that's all we have to bring to you. And lo we love you, we praise you, and we ask, Father, you move in our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, declaration of praise to the one and to the only creator. Now, the one who made all things is certainly worth or worthy of being called majestic, don't you think? Who else could you call majestic in all the earth? Nobody. But I think this is quite fitting for God, majestic in all the earth. This short psalm of praise is a great example of genuine outpour of praise. This psalm serves us as reminders of the glory of God, does it not? And I think, again, this is a great example of how to genuinely praise the Lord or at least express it. We noted that the Psalms are instructions from the Lord. Uh, yes, uh, yesterday, last week we talked about how the Psalms are composed in five different books, which actually mirror the Torah, the first five books of the Bible quite nicely. They're an expression of each other. It's beautiful the way that those come together. And, and, and Torah, if you, if you remember, means instructions. And so those first five books are instructions of the Lord. And now we have the Psalms, which are also very instructive. But what I find very interesting is that this Psalm right here is actually quite unique to itself. There's no direct instruction from the author, except for the example that it is to express praise for God. And so when we read this, there's no particular command or say direction that we must take. But instead, we see a beautiful expression of how we could praise the Lord. And so that's the instruction that we see here. So the instruction is simple. Praise God. If we are created beings, if we are his image bearers, which we are, right? And especially if we have received salvation through Jesus Christ, praise God. We have every reason to praise God. If we don't, the stones will cry out. And so I want to walk through this psalm because it's beautiful. There's a lot here to unpack. And I'm just going to give you a brief explanation of what's going on here because we can spend hours and upon hours in here. In fact, I'm going to share with you the second sermon I wrote on this psalm. The first one, I felt like, man, that was going way too deep. And so I backtracked and started over because I really want to focus on the praise that's, that's displayed here. And so David opens this psalm again by calling God majestic. But he doesn't just leave it at that. He knows that God is magnificent, majestic, and he expresses it. And so let's look at the majestic name of God, which is our sermon title for today. And David is saying that the name of the Lord is majestic indeed because one 
of his glory. The name of the Lord is majestic because of his glory. The name of the Lord is majestic because of his love. And he's also majestic because of his grace. These are good reasons why to, call, why to call the Lord majestic. And let me show you this. So let's take a closer look at this psalm and the majesty of God through this psalm. The first thing I want to look at is God's name is majestic indeed because of his glory. Verse 1 and 2 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Look at this. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. God's glory is seen in two places here. I don't know if you noticed this. The first thing you see is his glory in the heavens, through the heavens. The second is through the weakness of beings. It's interesting, fascinating. So let's look at the first one. You have set your glory above the heavens. We see the glory of God in just creation. Psalm 19 once says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Now, have you ever taken the time? I'm sure most of us have. Have we ever taken the time to to just look and observe a starry night? Have we ever taken the time to just really admire what's going on over there in Mount Lemmon? And the fact that here in Tucson, we're surrounded by mountain ranges. That, That to me is a highlight of the area because God's beauty is in display everywhere. And have you ever taken the time to go up the mountain and take a closer look at the stars? Because that's as close as you can get right there. Oh, how majestic is your name. When we take the time to look at the beauty of the creation that comes from the Lord, you can't help but to worship him and to praise him. Like who does that? Who hangs stars in the sky? It's amazing, right? And then if you think, I don't know, maybe you have. Have you gone to the planetarium? Have you seen through a telescope? Have you noticed how much scientists have, have, have uh, learned about the universe and how big and vast it is? And the more you zoom out, the smaller you feel. And you, you end up realizing, wait a minute, I'm not all that. Compared to the vast greatness of the universe, how majestic is the name of our God? He is glorious. His creation proclaims his handiwork. Isn't that cool? And so this is what David is attesting to. He's bringing this up. The purpose of creation is to magnify and declare the beauty and the glory of God. It's a beautiful gift of God, I would say for sure. And if you're ever feeling like God is distant, go. Go to the mountain. Go see his creation. Go to the planetarium. Go to the zoo and experience his handiwork. He's so creative in his, in, in his creation, the things that he, that he creates. Sometimes I go to the zoo and I wonder, that is a very weird animal. You know, it, it takes a lot of creativity to actually come up with that kind of picture. You know, and recently my daughter's been into, uh, they did a class, the, a marine biology class, and they, they were introduced to this, this fish called the blobfish. It's one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. She thinks it's beautiful. And she sees the glory and the wonder of the creations of the earth. But the point is, God's handiwork is vast. It's amazing. It's beyond our imagination even. This is the glory of God that's displayed in all of nature. The heavens declare the glory of God. Amen. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. We also see the awesome glory of God through weakness, in fact. And this is fascinating to me. In verse 2, it says, Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy 
and the avenger. In other words, look at this. God uses weakness to overcome strength and to display his own, which is amazing. The enemy, the avenger, that's no joke right there, right? And out of the mouth of babies and infants, that's probably the most vulnerable of vulnerables that you can think of, I think, right? And still he displays his strength through this. How majestic and glorious is the name of God? If you think about that, you know, we can use the vulnerability and weaknesses of a baby to overcome the mighty strength of an army. That's, that doesn't make sense. But with God, these things are more than possible. In fact, he uses this to express his glory, which is amazing. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And then Paul also speaks further into this glorious reality in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, 27-31. He says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts in the Lord, or boasts, boast in the Lord. Here's what's amazing, and you can probably relate. It is in the, the weakest of our moments, right? When we feel the most vulnerable, when we feel like we really have nothing in us anymore, that's when God shows up big. And when he shows up, it's amazing. It really reminds us of his glorious handiwork, his the fact that he's just majestic and he's capable of doing these things because he's creator, he is above all. And that should really launch us, propel us to, to praise him, to worship him, because these things just don't make sense naturally. How? How can we be strong when we are weak? It is because it's through him. It is his strength. Paul says, and do all things through Christ who strengthens me, knowing that it is the power of Jesus Christ that is effective in our lives. We in ourselves do not have that ability. The glory of God is very visible when he does the unimaginable. It's a beautiful thing, not through our strengths, but through our weaknesses. How majestic is that? Do you follow? Isn't that awesome? Now, the name of God is also majestic, too, because of his love. Look at verse 3 and 4. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Look at this dilemma. This is a dilemma that David is bringing up. Wait, 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 wait. God, you created all that is out there. The moon, the stars. I mean, I don't know if there's anything greater in creation than that. That's so huge and vast. And David is acknowledging this. Like, God, you are awesome and amazing and majestic. And why are you thinking of us? Like, if your glory is so big, your handiwork is so amazing and vast, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. So here's what's going on. David acknowledges that God loves him and cares for him. In fact, he's probably experienced it more than enough, right? And he's wondering, like, God, you're so big, and here we are, so small. Why do you love us? 
Why do you care for us? In fact, it wasn't nature that rebelled against God. It wasn't the creation that rebelled against God. It was mankind. And so why? We are unworthy of his love. We are unworthy of his care. And, and I think it's just a good question for us to even ask ourselves on a daily. Who am I that you are mindful of me? Why do you love me that way? Well, the reality is, is that God does love us. That's the truth. It's proclaimed in his word over and over. And look at this. Regardless of our condition, he has expressed the love for us. In fact, Romans 5, 8 tells us that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, that's not even fair. Like in the condition of being sinful, wretched people, he expresses his love for us in that he died for us. And the Bible says there's really no better expression of love than that right there. And then in 1 John 4, 16, look at this. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. So he hasn't just loved us, but he has given us the ability to have relationship with him, to know him, to be with him, to experience him right? That's love. That's a beautiful expression of love. And if you ask me, man, it's not fair. Like really, who are we that you would be mindful of us in that regard, that you would care for us like that? You know, sometimes we overly make it about ourselves, but the fact and the reality that God even loves us compared to everything else that he's got going on is just beautiful and amazing. It should really propel us to worship him, to give him praise. Amen. Now here's uh, what sets humanity apart though. Because, yes, his great creation is beautiful, it's awesome, but mankind is different. You see, God created man in his own image. You are an image bearer of God. That's a, that's a, that's a beautiful privilege, right? And, and so, how majestic is that? Like, that's amazing, which means that God has given us dignity. He has given us purpose. Our lives are important to him. And it's all based on his love. Like, I, I just, again, I'm dumbfounded by the reality that David is seeing this in a way. What a grace of God. What a gift of God for him to be able to see this, to realize the Lord's greatness, his vast majesty. And he says, like, who am I that you would even think of me and love me that way? God cares for us. And uh, it's amazing. It's, and he probably shouldn't, right? He probably has good reason to not love us and care for us. And so this fact should really launch us into worship and praise. He had every right to leave us in our sins, but he chose to set his love on us and make us his own, which I find crazy generous, really. Now, he chose to redeem us. He chose to reconcile. He chose to restore us through Jesus Christ. He chose to love us. God's name is majestic indeed, don't you think? And then here's another reason why God's name is also majestic, because of his grace. Now, it goes from, wow, God, you're glorious. And then here you are mindful of us. You love us. You care about us. Why? Because you made us in his, in his image, obviously, in your image. But then you go above and beyond and you express grace. That's what grace is. It's one thing to be demonstrated mercy, right? But to be given grace, that's unmerited. That's something that we do not deserve. That's an ultimate gift right there. And then David goes in and expresses the Lord's grace over him. He says, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him 
with glory and honor. Wait a minute. So not only did we rebel against him, right? But we have been crowned and we have been made a little bit lower than the angels. We're different here. Now you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. What an expression of God's grace over people. That right there makes no sense to me that he would give us dominion over this. Now, here's the thing, though. What David is mentioning here is exactly what we read in Genesis chapter 1. And that's what he's referring to. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So David is, I think it's obviously referring to this. God gave his image bearers the right to rule and have dominion over all things. But then the fall happens, and that really changed everything as well. Sin entered the world, and so that dominion that mankind had initially was no longer the same. Now it was sin that ruled, and so we were now enslaved to it. And all we could do is sin. See the problem there? Now we have a problem. Now dominion and all authority was given to mankind to subdue the earth, but then sin enters the world and now we're enslaved to it, so we have a problem. So obviously we need a savior. And, and you know, God, how majestic is your name? How glorious and wonderful? He provides a savior through Jesus Christ. It's like, what? Who, who are we that you're so mindful of us to make a way to redemption, to, wait, to make a way to be able to be freed from the uh, slavery of sin? And now Jesus reigns, and now he's the one who has all authority. Matthew says all authority has been given to him. And he, gives, he launches us to go and make disciples of all nations. And so now, because of Christ Jesus, we are freed from sin. And if we really consider that reality, that should really launch us to praise. Because we were dead in our trespasses. And then Jesus comes, and he redeems us. He reconciles us to the Lord. This is... This is amazing. And all dominion has been given to him, right? And if we are image bearers of Christ and if we are his children, we are his heirs, which means, wow, that's grace. Like, why, God? Why would you bestow that on us? That's amazing. That's beautiful. That's beyond love. Grace is just a beautiful thing. Look at Philippians 2, 5 through 11 in regards to the dominion that is now found in Jesus. It says this, Philippians 2, 5. I know I have it somewhere here in my Bible. 5 through 11, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking a form of a servant. That right there, my friends, is an act of grace. Being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed him and on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess to Jesus Christ as Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so dominion is now Jesus's, and we get to partake in that, which is just not fair. That, my friends, is grace, and it should absolutely propel us to worship him. Amen? 
And so David closes this psalm. If you're following along the last verse, he says what he said before. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What else can I say? Right? What a beautiful expression of praise. You see, David understood exactly why the Lord is worthy of praise. Do you know why your God is worthy of praise? Do you take the time to consider that? Let me ask you a few self-reflection questions. And, and I really just want you to just, you and the Lord, think of these questions and answer them to yourself. Ask the Lord to help you think through these things. And I'm not going to say anything except for ask the question. I don't want to influence that moment between you and the Lord. All right. The, the first one is, does your heart soar into worship when you see a sunset or a mountain rain? How do you feel when you see that? You take the time to go see that. Have you considered that your weakness might be used by God as strengths? Check this out. We shouldn't matter to God, yet we matter immensely. How does this truth affect you? Does it affect you? The grace of God in Christ should launch our hearts into worship. Are you moved by the grace of God? Does it stagger you that Jesus took what you deserve? Praise be to God. Amen. Now here's what I like for us to do, and this is different. We haven't done this before. Did you all get sermon notes today? If you did, go to the back and the bottom. We're gonna have a moment of practice. If not, you can type this out on your phone, text it to someone you want or text it to yourself. You can do it with your mind if you want. Just practice this. We're gonna have a moment where we practice praising God. And so what I'd like for us to do is just start with Oh, Lord, how majestic is your name. Start with that. Just start with that. Oh, Lord, how majestic is your name. If you have sermon notes, we already wrote that down for you. And then after that, acknowledge his glory. Just think about why God is so glorious. What about him is so glorious? His creation? Maybe something you've experienced? Maybe something you've witnessed? Your salvation? Whatever it may be, write that down. And how has he expressed his love and grace to you? So acknowledge his glory. And then go ahead and think about how he's expressed his love and grace to you. And when you have done that, button it up with, Oh Lord, how majestic is your name. And that's a great way for us to come to the Lord and just bring a genuine heart of praise and worship because the fact of the matter is, the Lord is worthy of it, all of it. And he truly is magnificent. He truly is majestic. And if we're not seeing that on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, we can come to the word of the Lord and be reminded of his beauty, his magnificence. Because he truly has done above and beyond that any one of us deserves. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how magnificent is your name above the earth. Amen? Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you, Father, that you take the time to instruct us and teach us, Lord Jesus, and that you reveal yourself to us, Father, through your word. And Lord, I'll be the first to say I'm sorry, Lord, for the things that I've made it and I've not made it about you. When I have been blindsided by the things of this world and not have put my sights on you, Lord Jesus, and what you have done for me on the cross. Thinking back on the reality that we have rebelled and we have really just lived against your word and your will, Lord Jesus, that you were mindful of me, that you expressed your love to me, Lord Jesus, while I was still yet a sinner. You died for me, Lord. Lord, help me see that. Help me recognize that, Lord, on a moment-to-moment -moment basis that I would be moved to praise you, to glorify you, to love you, to thank you, Lord Jesus, for you are worthy of all praise. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name above all the earth. Your glory declares your handiwork, and it's beautiful. Lord, you are beautiful. You are beautiful beyond words. You are beautiful, Lord Jesus, and we thank you. And we ask that you would receive our praise today. We pray in your mighty name. Amen.